If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. The comedies that shaped us. Oh, $20. I wanted a peanut. $20 can buy many peanuts. Explain how. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. Woo-hoo! The comedies that moved us. 20 years. That's a long time, Dave. Yeah? Well, it's two decades, isn't it? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> the comedies that made us laugh and made us cry. Why am I so sad? Am I doing the wrong thing? Absolutely not. It's just that sometimes goodbyes are a bitch. <laughs> James Halpert. You started with this company? As a fine young man. You know what I think we should do? I think we should just say the goodbyes for tomorrow. At lunch. Oh. Okay. And then tomorrow, I can tell you <clears throat> what a great boss you turned out to be. These are Desert Island comedies. I'm carving something on this bullet, sir. What are you carving? I'm carving Baldrick, sir. <laughs> Why? It's a cunning plan, actually. Of course it is. You see, you know they say that somewhere there's a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> well, I thought if I owned the bullet with my name on it, I'd never get hit by it. Because <laughs> I won't ever shoot myself. Oh, shame. From the team at thecustardtv.com. We're back with another list for our Desert Island comedies. I'm not looking forward to my list because I, <laughs> I think it's incredibly predictable and everyone who's ever listened to the podcast will go, well, of course he's got that, of course he is. But just bear with me. Just just remember, Sophie's was really good and Matt's at the end and I'm the awkward one in the middle. I don't really know what's on my list, though. Yeah, it's going to be cool, you know, picked by the Guardian. The <laughs> Guardian list. Yeah, it's going to be you don't, cool. You, you don't know me. Come on. Ten shows uh, that shaped my my uh, love of comedy, beginning predictably with uh, the BBC's, still one of the BBC's most highly thought of 
and uh, highly recommended sitcoms of the 80s and 90s. I am, of course, Mr. Predictable, and have gone for Only Fools and Horses as my first choice. This is from the council. They've received my application to buy this flat, and they're giving it consideration. This flat? Why? Well, we've been living in it since 1962. You were born in it. I mean, we're all living in it, you know, the whole family. There's mum and granddad, and this place holds many warm memories for me. But why do you want to buy it? So we can sell it. <laughs> sell it? What for? Bloody good profit with a bit of luck. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You see, Rodney, Peckham here is becoming a very trendy area. I mean, it's full of wine bars and bistros. Property prices are booming. So if we can flog this place to some, you know, chinless wonder for some vastly inorbinate sum, well, that means that we can get a nice little drum out there in a suburb. Dell, council properties were built so the poorer classes would have somewhere to live. If they start selling them to Hooray Henry's, where are they going to go? Isha, Orpington, somewhere like that. <laughs> but they can't afford to buy houses. It is immoral. Oh, shut up, you tart. <laughs> All right, think of it from our business point of view, eh? I mean, this flat is in a wonderful position, isn't it? I mean, it's 15 minutes from the West End, it's 15 minutes from the motorway... And 15 minutes from the Grand. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Rodney. You're right. Never thought of that. That's a very good selling point. I'm going to make a note of that. You have got no right to sell this flat over my head. Oi, do you mind? Listen, I've been living here for 27 years. That gives me the right to decide its future. And I was born here. That gives me more right than anybody. You might have been born here, but Dell's the one who pays the rent arrears. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you take just how much I've paid in rent over the years. I must have bought this place at least four or five times over. And yet not one breeze block belongs to me. To us. But all that is going to change. You're just a snob, that's all you are. I am not a snob, Rodney. I am a realist. Blimey, I've grafted for years. I have to try to get us a nice little place out there in the open air. And look at us, we're still here in this council-built Lego set. <laughs> well, I, mean, I used to watch you when you was a kid, you know. Breathing in all the fumes from the motorway. You must have more lead inside you than a butcher's pencil. <laughs> and I used to think, God, what is it doing to his little brain? Too late now, son. <laughs> there, you see, that's right. I'm a fully got... What do you mean it's too late now? I mean you're a full-grown man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Anyway, you've only been paying the rent here since Mum died. Oh, leave it out, Rodney. I was the only one in the family who ever earned any money. I mean, you just take it. I mean, it was Mum, bless her, you know. I mean, she, she tried, but her health let her down. And it was Dad, he would have loved a job, except he suffered from this sticky mattress. <laughs> and it was dear old Grandad, bless him. He was about as useful as a pair of sunglasses on a bloke with one ear. <laughs> All the things that we've ever got out of life has come from my intelligence and my foresight. Well, I'm glad somebody's owned up. <laughs> I, just, I just have such fond memories of watching that when I was younger. Like Sophie last time, I was a bit young when the original series aired and it was back when, I don't know if you can remember this, but the BBC used to repeat it endlessly and it was just something that was always on and I just enjoyed the dynamic between David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst, the rhythm of the dialogue, and it just became something that I really 
went to if I wanted a comedy, this was the one I would watch. And, and aside from all the, the moments people remember, the chandelier falling, falling through the bar, Batman and Robin and things like that, it wasn't really those moments that I went to it for. I liked the family dynamic and the tender moments between um, Dell and Rodney and the, the brotherly relationship. It could do drama just as well as it could do comedy and it blended the genres really well. There's an episode that was actually shown just before Christmas where uh, Rodney's wife, Cassandra, has a miscarriage. And you think, how can you do a miscarriage story near to Christmas in a comedy? Puff, I feel sort of frightened. You don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like. How do you think I've felt for the last couple of weeks since Cassie... since what happened? I don't know. I don't know how you felt, Rodney. Well, I'll tell you, frightened ain't the words. Do you know what I did the other night? No, but I bet it was depressing. <laughs> I sat and read my diaries from when I was a school kid. You see, it was right. <laughs> no, not quite. I actually noticed moments of hope within those pages. They were simple hopes, as you'd expect for someone of my age. I hoped for hairs. <laughs> Well, in my exams, I even hoped for a good job when I left school. Well, you got hairs, didn't you? <laughs> Think how right said Fred must feel. I think Cass was so happy, Del. We were looking forward, and all we could see in front of us was this big, wide highway, and we were just cruising down it, and all of a sudden it came to a shuddering halt. Just like this poxy lift. Suddenly, happy families became Dungeons and Dragons. And I've never felt so in pain like that in all my life. Is Cassandra hurting? Of course she is. How do you know? You haven't talked to her about it. No. And you know why? It's because... It's because, like... It's almost if, if I don't talk about it, then it might not be true. But it is. I know, I know, but if I don't say it... If you don't say what? We lost our baby. But you did. And you have said it. Yeah, I said it. You just, you shield yourself from it, you know? I've just been lying, haven't I? Yes. And what about Cassandra? Cassandra can't tell a lie. Raquel can. <laughs> the moment one leaves my lips. <laughs> <laughs> shone a light on a certain section of society and what they were going through at the time really well and the 80s were the time of yuppies and Dell was the ultimate yuppie and, and it was cat and mouse game of him always trying to become millionaires and things and it was just a very sweet natured show that I loved and will always go back to. I don't go back to it as often now 
only because I can recite the scripts pretty much. But I do adore it, and I think it's got a lot of warmth. It's got a lot of humanity in it, and I, it's one of the best British sitcoms even now still. And it's got a huge following in Portugal, I found when I was reading this. There's a Portuguese <laughs> um, remake of it that does really well. I've not, never seen it, never wanted to find it out. There's never been a US remake, unlike some of the other ones that we've mentioned. It's never been remade in the US. That's but, interesting, isn't it? Because they, yeah. they basically tried to remake everything that we've I done, think perhaps so. the sort of ducking and diving and market stall, it was very London-centric, and I don't know whether they would have the sort of equivalent of Adele Boy who's always selling the next big thing and trying to make a deal and I don't really know whether that would have translated in quite the same way. It had a perfect ending in 1996 with them finally becoming millionaires but uh, the BBC was so desperate for a hit that they bought it back in 2001 for three not as exciting, not as special, not as well written specials and uh, that sort of soured it a little bit. The series from sort of 89 including the Christmas specials and then those final trilogy in 96 were the peak of the show and that was getting 33 million viewers which is unthinkable even in today's society when people are watching a lot of content they're still not getting viewers of that level. It was a different era of course when we only had the four channels but still. Next up though was a show that I didn't see originally. I was living in America. I was homesick. I really wanted to see something British and I happened to turn on BBC America and they were playing an episode of The Royal Family and I just sat there in awe of it. The rhythm of the dialogue, the way these people spoke, the way that it wasn't a traditional comedy with a laugh track and things like that. It was just getting a peek into the living rooms of the royal family and... I'll go to that butcher's again. That's one where Dave's mate, Gary, works. Ooh. What, him who smells of mints? <laughs> yeah, him. You should have got him to serve you. He'd have given you a bit extra. They were out the back mincing. I hope he's not going to come round all the time when we're married. I just wish he'd get himself a girlfriend. Didn't he go with that Sandra Bezik at one time? She couldn't stand him. She said he always had blood under his fingernails. Oh. Oh, that's how she's gone mobile now. Oh, Sandra Bezik? Yeah, she's calling herself Sandy Scissors. I'm still calling her Sandra. She only needs to do four clients a day to cover costs, she reckons. Oh, and how many does she do? About seven a day. Bloody hell, she must be raking it in. Hey, how much does she charge for a perm? If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises, some good, 
Some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. About 22 quid. But don't forget she's using your electricity and your water and sucking your brews. Ooh, that's a dear do. Don't think I can afford to have myself done mobile. Hey, when you're married, what night are you and Dave coming round for your tea? Hey, it's took us 26 years to get bloody rid of it. I was thinking Tuesday and Thursday, and maybe Saturday and Sunday. I'll have to check with Dave. Oh, that's nice. I'll have to go round to his mum and dad's one night. Mm, you want to pack some sandwiches then? You know Dave's dad, has he ever worked, or has he always been on this bloody disability allowance? I told you, he worked at Duggan's. Duggan's? They've been shut for at least 12 bloody years. Do you think he can get me on this disability allowance? He's got a bone disease. Oh, I know. It's called bone idleness. Give it a rest. Well, I've got to spread bloody blood to pay for this wedding. Now lazy ass there's paying for book at all. Well, why don't you just not bother giving a speech at the wedding, Dad? Why don't you just copy a list of the costs and hand that round? Well, I'd give a copy to bloody Pegleg for the start if it did. Another record on Dad. Oh, it'd be a record of he bloody well bought a drink. I'm getting on with Dave. Fine. Oh. Hey, he'll be having his tea now, won't he? Hmm, yeah. He's a lovely lad. Yeah. Aye. You could have done worse. Ah. Oh. Aye, you could have married his bloody father. It's very influential. I think a lot of the shows that we've talked about on Sophie's list maybe not may not have existed had the royal family not come along and certainly there's some on mine that the royal family played a part in it's also why we have Gogglebox now on Channel 4 again it's a working class family it's it's got a lot of heart I ache for some of those moments in the show where Denise is giving giving birth or her water's broken in the bathroom and Jim's there on the floor with her playing a Charlotte Church cassette and trying to calm her down and the, the, the 2006 special where Nana dies is just an absolute masterpiece. It, it possibly would have been on my list if maybe I'd watched it when I was a bit younger but as it, as it stands I think I've only ever seen it once. It really reminds me of him and her. It's yeah. a similar sort of dynamic with the sort of working class family. It's pretty much all just in their home isn't there like a whole scene at one point where they're just kind of eating polos for about two yes, minutes they were very good at using silences just the moments where they're just watching tv and twirling their hair and just doing pan shots across the living room at, at various members of the family i just found it revolutionary i'd never seen anything like it before i don't know what it was like what the reception was like when it first started but I can't well, I can that. tell you because I oh, was living here. <laughs> if only somebody was there from the era to tell me what it was like. The the first series was very much an underground, word of mouth almost uh, success. I remember watching it. the The second series, I think, was when it became 
a big thing and a lot more people started to talk about it. I remember the the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire episode specifically is a is a classic from from that series. But I I think for me and the reason it's not on my list again, like Only Fools and Horses, the law yeah. of diminished returns. The the after I, as you you said to you said before, I think that it should have ended with that 2006 special with with Nana's death. That was the perfect way to end it. But then they brought it back. Was there full Christmas specials? Yeah, yeah. It was just that ear for dialogue. I think the hardest thing in comedy is to make your characters speak like real people and they just felt so human and, and natural and the dialogue is endlessly quotable and believable. It never swerves into comedy, joke and punchline. Oh, God, Denise, I nearly forgot. You've been for your antenatal. Mm-hmm. How did you get on? Well, it was a bit weird, really. This midwife woman, what was running it, she said that we had to talk a bit about our partners, and our partners had to talk a bit about us. Mm. What did Dave say about you? Well, he just said that I was pregnant. Bloody hell, that must have been a shock for the rest of the antenatal class, wasn't it? Bloody hell. I didn't really know what to say about Dave. I just said about, you know, his disco and about the removals that he does. There isn't much else to say about him, really. Mm. Mm. Well, they must have been clinging on to every word, really. <laughs> so are you, Grabby Arse. Yeah. Take the notice of him, Denise. He's been like this all day. Why? Because I told him Nana's coming to stay for a week. <laughs> She's having a cataract removed. What's she having it removed for? If she hasn't seen everything now by the time she's bloody 80, bloody four, what else is there left for her to look at? Jim, it's a very serious operation. She's only coming for a week. Well, bloody week. Once she gets a big, fat, flabby ass on that settee, she'll be there for the duration. <laughs> It'll be company for you, Jim, while Barbara's at work. You know, Norma's never stuck for something to say. Well, if you've done the little boxing, why don't you take it to stay with you? I'd love to have Nana staying with us. No way. This is my mother we're talking about here. Can't leave her on her own when she's not well with no one to talk to. Well, I guess she hasn't got the cataracts on her tongue. All right, <laughs> that'll do, Jim. But yeah, I think the problem was, as you say, that uh, those specials kind of. They seem to forget uh, how to write it. And even. The third series, in a way, you know, I think the first the first two series became that big that the third series, you know, they made it a little bit more broad, if you know what I mean. You know, it's certainly in, I think, Dave's character became a lot more, but, you know, he was just stupid and, and Denise was just lazy. You know, they boiled it down a bit more, whereas I felt it, certainly in the first series, the characters were a little bit more complex. I had to put it on because it, it felt so different to anything I'd mm. seen up until that point and it's also one similar to Only Fools where I know exactly line for line what's coming but it's just it's comforting and it's warm and I know what I'm going to get and it's relaxing as well because there's vir- virtually no music in it, there's no dramatics you can just stick it on and enjoy half an hour watching them, it does make you feel a bit lazy watching them being lazy watching TV but I've always enjoyed it yeah. These are Luke's Desert Island Comedies. Hey, did I tell you I saw duckers down the Chinese? Duckers? Yeah. Is he out? No, they've got a Chinese in the neck. <laughs> he just got out, Barbara. Oh, what's his missus say? He's not been home yet. Um, what was he in for, lad? 
beef satay out of it. Next up is something I saw late as well. I think everybody was on this bandwagon way before me, but I had to include uh, the first two series of Iron Man and Partridge because he's just such an iconic character. And I just find him cringeworthy, not in the same way as like a Michael Scott-type character, but again, he feels... Out something based out of based out of things I'd seen before. Terrible radio presenters, terrible TV presenters, and Steve Coogan and Armando Iannucci and the team just have great ideas in the first two series. What to do with him living in the travel tavern and just trying to get his career back on track after losing out on another series of Knowing Me, Knowing You. Like a drink first? Ah, thank you. Um, um, I'll have a pint of bitter. <laughs> Just a mineral water for me, please. Thank you, sir. Actually, actually, I'll have a mineral water, too. Thank you. Will you be having wine with your meal? Not for me. No. You get all these wine people, don't you, you know? Wine this, wine that. Yeah. Let's have a bit of red, let's have a bit of white. You know, ooh, that's a snazzy bouquet. You know, ooh, this smells of... I don't know, basil. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to say, oh, sod all this wine. Just give me a pint of mineral water. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think wine's an elitist thing anymore. You can get good wine in Tesco's now. I'd love to make a genuinely popular wine programme. Can I just shock you? <laughs> I like wine. <laughs> despite what I just said earlier. At any one time, I have nine bottles of wine in my house. Really? Interesting fact. Uh, it's my weakness, I'm afraid. I've got a cellar. Uh, so have I. There's no wine in it. You know, it's just <laughs> it's a couple of bikes, some smokeless fuel, and a uh, bag of cement. It's gone hard. I loved your uh, article in The Guardian, by the way. Really? Yes. <laughs> I loved that phrase you used. It was very, very clever, where you said, uh, revolution, not evolution. No, it was the opposite. Evolution, not revolution. Well, no, whatever. You know, but, uh, that, that, because, that, because that is me. You know, because I evolve, but I don't... <laughs> revolve. Or vice versa, you know. I suppose what you're trying to say is you don't want another Chris Evans on your hands. No, that is what we want. I'm your man. <laughs> Th that's what I wanted to talk about, Alan, your career. I can see a lot of very exciting opportunities ahead for you. Really, oh, I can. Got, can I just say, this is music to my ears. <laughs> Here's to our future relationship at the BBC. I, I don't think you should see your future <laughs> just at the BBC, Alan. I just think it's time for you to consider moving on to new pastures. H have I got a second series? There's so many opportunities I, no, no, for no, me. No, actually, let, 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 me, let me rephrase that. Um, can I... Uh, no, actually, I'll just repeat the question. Have I got a second series? No. Oh, thank you. Well, I want you to feel that the doors have all closed here at the BBC. If you have any other ideas, I'd, I'd be very interested. Got them here. Got them here. Right. Uh, right. Okay. Shoestring, Taggart, Spender, Bergerac, Morse. What does that say to you about regional detective series? There's too many of them. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, another way of looking at it is people like them. Let's make some more of them. Um, a detective series based in Norwich called Swallow. Swallow is, uh, is a detective who tackles vandalism. Bit of a maverick. Not afraid to break the law if he thinks it's necessary. Um, you know, he's not a criminal, you know, but you know, he, he will perhaps travel at 80 miles an hour on the motorway if, he, for example, he wants to get somewhere quickly. <laughs> but think about it. No, no one had heard of Oxford before Inspector Morse. I mean, th this, this will put Norwich on the map. 
why would I want to do that? Yep, fair point. <laughs> okay, um, right, now you, you, you like this, right? Knowing ME, knowing you, <laughs> I, Alan Partridge, talk to ME sufferers um, about the condition. Um, you know, we, we intersperse it with their favourite pop songs, make it light-hearted, you know, give them a platform. You, 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 you've got to keep the energy up, because you can't... can't <laughs> You don't like it, that's all right. No, that's okay. Inner city sumo. What's that? We take fat people from the inner cities, put them in big nappies, and then uh, get them to throw each other out of a circle that we draw with chalk on the ground. No, it's a bad idea. Very cheap to make. <laughs> do it in a pub car park. No. no. <laughs> if you don't do it, sky work. Well, I'll live with that. Uh, a, a partridge amongst the pigeons. What's that? Well, it's just a title. I mean, um... <laughs> well, no, it, uh, opening sequence, me in Trafalgar Square, feeding the pigeons, going, oh, God. No, no I'm sorry. No, stop. Youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. No. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey tennis? And it's endlessly quotable, and one I will go back to again and again. And I, although future Alan Partridge things or subsequent Alan Partridge things haven't been to the standard. I think there's always something in that character where you will always find him hysterically funny. And I, I just remember really liking Sally Phillips uh, behind the reception desk and the, mm. the relationship he had with him. And of course we met Lynn for the first time. We hadn't seen her uh, before in Know Me, Knowing You. And there's a lot of quotable lines and a lot of great guest stars and those those series are endlessly rewatchable. I must watch them a couple of times a year. Um, Sophie, what do you is that a terrible choice? Do you have a strong feeling on Alan Partridge? It seems like a Marmite character, but a lot of people do love him. Yeah, I love him and it's such a unique character because he can just be put into all these different formats, can't he? Like I can't really think of another character where If you're anything like me you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Yeah, I guess because he's supposed to be a sort of a personality in the entertainment industry. You know, there can be a sitcom about him. He can host a chat show. He can host the one show. He can do a podcast. Like, he can just sort of do anything, really. You know, even the film, I thought, was really good. And that was something very different. Yeah. And so and it's just and it's like it's just going to carry on because Steve Coogan is now the actual sort of age that Alan Partridge was always supposed to be so he could carry on just doing it forever really and I think it'll always be funny because he's just so he just is that character like he knows it 
like the back of his hand. I think also the fact that he's now, Steve Coogan has now sort of stepped away from Alan's shadow and done enough enough different things that he feels more comfortable bringing back Alan every now and again because he's got enough of a career outside of Alan Partridge to to say I'm not just this character, this comedy character with catchphrases. And there's a lot of great episodes in that first series of I'm Alan Partridge, but one of my favourites is the episode where he's just bored in the travel tavern and makes things out of the shower curtain and just walks <laughs> to the petrol station and things. And it's, it's just un, unhappy with his life. And it's quite a... Uh, not, I've just been editing the last podcast and we were talking about Bojack Horseman and how depressed and, and down he is. And not to the same level, but Alan Partridge is another character who isn't happy in his own skin. And occasionally you'll get these moments where you realise he's away from his family, his wife's left him and he's in a bit of a no-man's land having to live in a hotel. He's banked all his life on getting another series and working a long time for the BBC and that's just never going to happen because he's seen as old hat and not moving forward with the times and there are those those moments where you see that in him and the desperation to be liked and loved and um, yeah those first two series the second one where he lived in a caravan I enjoyed just as much and there was a, a long gap between those two I I really like I remember watching that second series as it went out and I actually was a big sort of Steve Coogan fan where cuz I remember Steve Coogan is doing all the different characters not just Partridge and cause yeah. I remember it was it Coogan's run where he played yeah. a lot of different characters I remember Paul and Pauline Calf there was that time when he was trying to do um what was the Portuguese singer Tony Tony, Tony Farino yeah, but I, I did like, as you say, the, the Travel Tavern series, That, as you say, that sense of isolation and, and the thing with the eating all the Toblerones, you know, that flashback to him yeah. having that. As you say, the breakdown where he just eats loads of Toblerones and gets really fat. And to Dundee in his feet. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like those series. I think subsequent outings for the character, I might not have been as... Fond of, you know, I've enjoyed everything I've seen of Partridge, but I think, though, as you say, those two series are very, very strong and, and memorable. You know, every episode has got its memorable moment. I remember the uh, the James Bond one as well, you know, where he yeah. does the opening to the Spy Who Loved Me, acts it out. And uh, yes, yeah, so... episode where he goes over to meet a fan and, and ends up almost trapped yeah. in the house. That's brilliant. And of well. course, there's uh, Dan. 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 It doesn't feel dated somehow. Whenever you go back to it, same with the Royal Family, it doesn't really feel dated. It doesn't feel cheesy. It's just really classy and and really funny. Um, Next up, we can talk about this really quickly because we kind of touched on it in Sophie's List in another way. And although I have differing opinions on the people behind it now, the way I felt about the original office when that started, it was, it was again, like the Royal Family, something I'd never seen before, something that made me cry as much as it made me laugh, cringe as much as it made me laugh and cry. The original office is responsible for a lot, and I think a, a lot of people forget now because we're so... Ricky Gervais is so front and centre and everything. 
but here he was just another member of an ensemble who gave a great performance. I can wake up one morning and go, oh, I don't feel like working today, can I just stay in bed? Oh, I don't know, you better ask the boss. David, can I stay in bed all day? Mm, yes, you can, David. <laughs> Both me, I'm not, that's not me in bed with another bloke called David. And whilst I haven't been a fan of Afterlife or Derek or really anything he's done after, <laughs> after extras, really, which I thought was a, a good follow-up to The Office, I do think the original Office is such an important piece of modern television history and something I watch at least, you know, every few years I will stick on a couple of episodes of The Office. Uh, the, the Office Training Day episode is just a perfect half hour of comedy that you could watch in isolation if you, somehow you'd never seen the episode or somehow you'd never heard of what The Office was. This is why I'm amazed that I love the American remake so much because it felt so quintessentially British and cold and miserable. And it's interesting that you have The American Office on your list because we spoke about how upbeat and warm and sweet-natured that was. And this is the complete antithesis to that. This felt dreary and as if everyone was out for themselves and had quite a miserable life and they were working in a job that they didn't really care about. And it felt, it rang so true. And I remember the docu-soaps that it was based mm. on driving school, the hotel, all those sort of things that, that were big before this came around. And apart from anything else, it, it was really funny really touching and the scene where David Brent begs Neil for his job back after he's made redundant always gives me either a tear in the eye or butterflies because it's when the facade comes down that David Brent and Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant show you there is so much more to that character and he's been playing up to the cameras and trying to make himself look like a, what he thinks a person on television should look like and then when the facade comes down and you see the human behind it all it really breaks me and i think unlike the royal family and only fools the final christmas specials were masterpieces and where they finished it off with everyone where they should be and dawn and tim together i think it was really well done and i know that it's repeated endlessly and everybody's seen it but for me it was a really important piece of television, actually. Now, we wondered if you wanted to come back for a party on the Friday or leave on the Friday before. Whatever. OK, well, again, thanks very much, David. Don't make me redundant. Please. Look, David. I don't... I've changed my mind. I don't want redundancy. I don't want that. I haven't signed anything, so... Well... David, unfortunately, it's not really up to you. No, OK, then. Sorry. All right, then. Well, I'm asking. OK? Please don't make me redundant. You can you can talk to someone, Jenny. The wheel's are already in motion. No, we'll stop them, because... David, we're not going to discuss this now. No, but just say you. that it's de not definite now, before you go. And we can... I will try twice hard. I really will. I know I've been complacent, and I'll I'll turn this place around if we just say that, that it's not definite now, and then we can. Um, you're not going until if we're starting from now. Starting from now. 
You know, I've never been Ricky Gervais's biggest fan. Even then, my favourite Ricky Gervais thing is the is the film Cemetery Junction. I think that's it, possibly his, the best thing he's done. Uh, but no, I, I I liked parts of this, as you say, it did have that warmth to it, but also that, as you say, like this emptiness, this greyness, mm. this very Britishness. You know, my grandparents are from Slough, so I know Slough quite well. You know, there's the opening shots of Slough bus station. Um, which I went to, you know, quite a lot with them because they didn't drive. So I, I, I knew <laughs> Slough quite well, and it was a representation of that, you know, British town, that yeah. office job where everyone sort of just when stuck there. Really you know, management. And... Yeah, and it was good. You know, I don't think it was the first mockumentary, was it? I think no. it was People Like Us before The Office. I very nearly had that on my list, People Like mm. Us, because it, it... Yeah. But this felt somewhat different because this yeah. this could have easily been a documentary and then you sort of realise as you go along, oh, it's... Yeah, weren't there thing. stories of people watching it and just stumbling across it and thinking it was yeah. an actual yes, documentary? I think they got the elements of the documentary down more so than the American office did because that, as mm-hmm. we spoke about, as good as that was, it, it, it when it was at its best, it was really... A traditional sitcom like the the UK office would never do an episode where David Brent burns his foot on a, a sandwich toaster, <laughs> even though that's one of my favourite episodes of the US office. They just would never do it, and I think they were always conscious of making it look like a documentary, making it feel like a documentary, mm. and and perhaps the most British thing about it was it didn't outstay its welcome. It was. 12 episodes and then two specials and it's hard to believe that a documentary crew would be going back season after season to Dunder Mifflin whereas you could believe that this this crew would go to uh, to Wernham Hog for and, two years. And, and it is more, as you say it is more of a British thing and it came in at that time where, as you say you had your driving schools, your airline your uh, cruise with Jane McDonald, all those, those shows were of that time of the mid to late 90s and then this was 2001 i believe it was very relevant when it came out whereas i don't think in the states those sort of shows are as big no, or as big you know their, their reality shows are more dramatic aren't they so yeah it was mentioned yeah. on one of those office podcasts actually mm. that they didn't have an equivalent to those fly on no. all things and they still don't now. I mean, the closest would be keeping up with the Kardashians or something like that, which is so far removed from what the office was trying to do. I think, like you said before, though, I think one of the good things about Ricky Gervais is he does seem to know when to end things. Yeah. And, yeah, he could have carried on bringing the office back every Christmas, like you were saying about the royal family. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite pleased that he didn't, because that Christmas special is a very good ending. And I guess one issue a lot of people have with the american office is the way they dealt with jim and pam later in their relationship because people quite like the sort of fairy tale ending and then when they were having marital problems i think it made people a bit uncomfortable so i quite like the way the the uk office ended with you know them getting together and that's it it's the happy ending and we don't really need to know what happened next there wasn't even a lot of lines of dialogue between tim and dawn it was just a lot of quick looks where the camera would turn and just catch them looking longingly at each other just quickly and then get on with a bit more work and uh, yeah the love story element was always my favorite part of it and then as you watch it again um you've got david brent 
being awfully cringeworthy. And I think when they bought the second series, when they bought in the the other branch that they merged with, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic shift where you saw David Brent having to win over a whole new set of people who uh, who were not going to fall under his spell and think he was this hilarious character. He had to win them over and didn't always succeed in that. So, yeah, The Office is a predictable, perhaps, pick, but one nevertheless. The comedies that changed television and made us look differently at the genre. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is... Nia will be taking over both branches and some of you will lose your jobs again. Yeah. On a more positive note, the good news is I've been promoted. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Ready Whip Whipped Cream, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Din and Danimals Drinks, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, and 7-Up to earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. You still thinking about the bad news, aren't you? These are Luke's Desert Island comedies. So? <laughs> so what name have they decided on? If it's a girl, they're calling her Sigourney, after an actress. And if it's a boy, they're naming him Rodney, after Dave. <laughs> These are Luke's Desert Island comedies. Everything I said about The Office, I could say about this. It's quintessentially British. It was remade in America. It's very downbeat, very grey, very dark. And it's called Getting On. And it was on oh, BBC4. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this was on my long list, but didn't quite make it. So I'm glad you've got it there. A somewhat short-lived series. It was written by Vicky Pepperdine, who works alongside Julia Davis frequently. Joanna Scanlon, who we've talked about endlessly on various podcasts, and Joe Brand. And Joanna Scanlon and Joe Brand play two nurses who work on sort of the dementia or the elderly care ward of this hospital that's falling down around them. And Vicky Pepperdine plays Dr. Philippa Moore, who is this upper crust doctor who's always got a load of medical students following her around and sort of looks down upon the nurses and just thinks she's better than them. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Shall we? Where are we off to? Yes, we're going to start with Sarah Kinney this morning, if that's all right yes, with you. Yes, this is all right with me. Um, gents, all right, so do gather round. Good morning, Mrs Kinney. Uh, Mrs Kinney is in for a routine knee operation. Um, so what might we be looking at here, gents? Palatai. Palatai. What's that? Any ideas? Any advance on palatai? Chondro do. Do. Chondro do do. Are you going to write that on, a, on, a, on an exam sheet, James? All right. Chondromalacia. Chondromalacia patellae. Perhaps that's what you were hinting at, Alice. It's not Alice. 
Sorry, what's your name? My name's Kat. Oh, I do beg your pardon. Do, do you know Alice, or...? I don't know Alice, no. no, sorry. Josh, any thoughts from you? Any ideas at all? Right, you can stay there if you like. <clears throat> Uh, Mrs. Kinney's got um, marathon to run in a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Mm. Well, isn't that extraordinary? Good for you. Good for mm. you. So here we are, a lady who's come to us, um, late middle-aged lady, if I may, with an operation on the knee well before she develops osteoarthritis, which hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll uh, stave off for a few years to come. Great. OK, where are we going now, sister? Hi, Mrs. Kinney. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Kinney. Yes, she was right. brought in overnight. She's um, a bit confused. Mm -hmm. Ulcers, so... Mm -hmm. <coughs> yes, so, gents, first two quite literally in the air. Um, odour plus plus. Do come over. Come around, please, gents. Come on. So, sister... I've got her actually at the moment on her front because she's got a bit of a sore bottom, so... Right, front or back? Back bottom. Um, she's got a very sore back bottom or anus. Um... Gents, differential diagnoses. Thrombosed hemorrhoids. Yes, possible. Herpes infection. Yes, possible. LGV. Possibly, yes. Well done, excellent. Perianal abscess, rectal prolapse, anal fistulae, anal cancer. Obviously, issue week. May not, may not have any of these. Um, and this had sort of a weird. It wasn't a mockumentary in the same way that they would sit and talk to the camera, but it was sort of filmed quite jerkily, the camera would zoom round the hospital wards and it sort of didn't have a traditional sitcom look and the the laughter and the, 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 the jokes as they were were really quite dark and there was a lot of things in the first episode about a stool sample uh, that was very funny and you almost felt quite wrong laughing at some of it because it was it was you know often around people dying and what would go on on the wards and people going missing and and i just fell in i've always liked joe brand but this is the role where i thought she can play the every woman she she knows exactly who this nurse is and and it, she's also got this mental health background in real life and i feel like she brought that to the fore here playing nurse Kim Wilde, which always made me <laughs> Will you tell him to turn that down? I'm really sorry, Peggy, I can't. It's the new wing. It'll be really nice when it's finished. And guess who's going to open it? The Queen. I don't like the Queen. Do you not? She's got a, a nasty, sour mouth. Fair enough. Who likes the Queen? Shirley likes the Queen. Shirley? Yeah, this is Shirley, don't you, Shirley? I don't care who she is. I thought she was Anne. OK, I'm sure she'd be very pleased to hear that. Is the Admiral coming? Uh, no, the Admiral's not coming, I'm afraid. Well, from the way you were carrying and I thought the Admiral was coming. Well, I was talking about the Queen. Oh, you know her, do you? No, but I think they should put her in a council house. Now, that's a nice idea. Mm. Yes, it is, actually. Oh, God! Where are you going? I'm just trying to help Shirley with her breakfast. Can't she help herself with her breakfast? I'm afraid not, no. She's not really well enough. Oh, blimey. I wish somebody would help me with my breakfast. Well, I'm happy to come and help you. Do you need some help? Well, sometimes, yes. Do you want some help with your breakfast now? No, I've eaten it. OK. In case you hadn't noticed. What? Nurse! Oh, yes, hello, that's me. Did you get me a painkiller, but... 
my shoulder. Have you had some painkillers since you've been in? You are useless. I know everyone says it. It's a nightmare. All right, just let me go and check and I'll see what I can bring you, OK? I'll get going. I just find it one that I have revisited fairly regularly mm. and I do really like the atmosphere of it, the feel of it. And like The Office is about the drudgery of doing a job that you you may have loved years ago, but it's wearing down on you. And, oh, uh, it, I was yeah. just going to say, although there was some more positive elements, wasn't there, in towards the end, and yeah. Joe Scant's character um, pregnant, and she thought she'd lost the baby, but then it turned out mm. that she was pregnant with twins and one had died, but one had survived. Kim was looking at training to be a doctor, but ultimately it decided against doctor, it. Yeah. Why do you think it's not as talked about? Because it, it was up for BAFTAs and it it is a really clever show, but I think that the, perhaps the subject matter was just too much for some people to really accept as, OK, we could laugh here, there are jokes in here. I think Joe Brand is like a really underrated sitcom really writer because I, I really enjoyed Damned as well. Did you watch that? Mm, yeah. About the uh, social did, workers. Yeah. And I guess that's a similar sort of thing where she's taken a profession which is quite, you think it's quite sort of, I guess, a bit bleak and you don't necessarily want to be in on what those people are doing because you don't know if you could cope with it. Mm. Um, and again, she has a sort of a personal link to that because her mum was a social worker. Mm. And yeah, it's just, I think that was very, it didn't get the credit that it deserved and it kind of got cancelled after, I think, was it two series? Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's a shame, really. I think both of those shows are so strong. I remember Vicky Pepperdine's character in particular just killed me. Like the way she just sort of comes swanning into the ward and has no idea what's actually going on at, at the ground level with the nurses. Like doesn't really care. Talks yeah. about the patients as if they're just like dummies or something. Oh, it was just it was so good. That's one I do remember watching when it was actually on. Because did you say it was two thousand and nine? Yeah. Yeah, I would have been 16, so yeah, I would have watched that at the time. Oh, Dr Moore, oh, sorry, I think one of your large format Volvo C-types has been sent down to Kids Oncology for the Christmas card competition. No, I'm really not with you. I mean, Kim, Kim, you can explain. Did you send... I did not send it. All I did was I got the memory stick out of the computer, gave it to Donald and he took it down. It's not my fault. Are you telling me that we are dealing here with a picture of a patient's vulva? Might have been a Toyota Previa. <laughs> it's just no, a mix I'm up. sorry, Megan, this honestly. is not funny. Oh, no, come it on. wasn't anything. It is not funny. It's a hospital, <laughs> Megan. For God's sake, people see pictures of other people's parts everywhere on posters. Someone might have had a laugh. It might have cheered them up, for God's sake. Well, it is not as funny as that for the person involved because this is a data protection issue. As far as I'm concerned, this is a private uh, information issue which uh, Nurse Wilde has violated. Uh, uh, I think violated. you agree, Dr Moore, that the vulva belongs to somebody and we need to find out who that belongs the to. The vulva yes, is anonymous does. at this stage. We've got to apologise to whichever unfortunate individual has appeared in this picture. Well, how, how are we ever going to know who that is? I mean, they all look very no, similar. No, it's a blind study, so... Well, look, I have a copy of the picture here. We can have a look at it and maybe somebody will recognise it. <laughs> but I think the dynamic, the fact that those three wrote it and they were the stars, the dynamic between them... It was, I remember watching it and thinking I would love to be in that room when they write it because I'd love to know how it all 
pieces together and it was the first time I'd ever seen Vicky Pepperdine and I remember thinking she's a yeah, I'm going to watch whatever she does next this is not intentional but again it's another mockumentary and I hadn't made the link when I put it on the list and it's one that I saw on HBO when I was living in the States and it had a big airing on the BBC and it was massive in its home country and it is uh, Summer Heights High. It is just incredibly funny. It, I watch it regularly. It's never not funny. It annoys me that my favourite character, Mr G, is the only one he's never done anything extra with. It is that an annoyance or is that a good thing? Because none of those well, spin-offs probably. have been particularly yeah, successful. I didn't really like Jonah from Tonga or Jamei Private School Girl, so maybe maybe I'm just remembering Mr. G in his little time capsule and that should be the right thing. But him putting on the <laughs> the, the school musical about the girl who had died of a <laughs> drug overdose. I just remember sex, sex, drugs, sex, sex and drugs. Something like that. again i like it because it pokes fun at that kind of show it pokes fun at the people that would appear on it but at the end of the day through all their bravado and the awful things they say as he reached the end of it and these people start to open up and you you see that behind this facade of this big tough guy jonah is really someone who's Mm. deeply embarrassed at not being able to read deeply embarrassed at not being with his peers and has uh, just acts out out of embarrassment and ridicule and he's never like a lot of teenagers do and and that speech he does at the end it just kills incredibly moving incredibly moving the mr g stuff he's he's closer i would suppose to a david brent character but again it's just him desperately wanting to succeed because he knows in the real world he he couldn't follow his dreams and he's too old and he can't do it. So in the microcosm of a school, he can be the director of Port Performing Arts and he can have his moment to shine. And that's really interesting when they get the kids from the special needs class involved. And there's a lot of warmth in there. There's Toby, the little boy with Down syndrome, who follows him around. And, and there's just a lot of good humour. And, and, and as much as... Other stuff Chris Lilly's done, I haven't been a fan of it. It's been too sweary and gross out and over well, the top. What about this... We Can Be Heroes? Well, that, that, that was the, pre- yeah, the predecessor, so, yeah. so yeah. those two. I mean, but I like I... some of Angry Boys. But Angry there was... Boys and then he spread the himself, Yeah, he spread himself too thin with Angry Boys because there was sort of five different hmm. stories in that rather than the three that he'd done in Summer Heights High. So, But I feel like he gets the balance just about right there's a, there's a story for for each of these characters Jemay probably is the thinliest drawn mm-hmm. but but again i do find that character <laughs> just i mean awful but brilliant in equal measure and the dynamic between her and uh, her school friends the, the one who's been in the most series of his as well which yeah, is just yeah, used over and over again 
I remember in school. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet uses during times of congestion. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal everyone used to talk about it all the time and I think that might actually be what put me off it like, I, I think, don't want to watch it if these people like it. I don't know it's just you know in school nobody really talks about no. comedy shows and then suddenly everyone's talking about one particular show yeah. and you kind of think oh what's so That's why is everyone suddenly in yeah I guess so I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a snob probably <laughs> <laughs> when I was like 14 <laughs> I was like I'm better than Your this snobby years <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I to be honest i feel like i've seen a lot of it because it's something yeah. that often gets posted about on uh twitter and i see like the bbc comedy account are always posting videos of it on facebook i guess yeah. because it had such a level of popularity they know they're going to get the likes um so i have seen a lot of clips and it's interesting to hear you say that a lot of the humor in it is quite sort of warm and nice it because is. Seeing some of the clips and stuff, that isn't the impression I got of the show. Yeah, I think uh, when you get to the halfway point, you they get uh, similar to The Office, really. When the facades come down and these people show themselves for who they really are, then there's a lot of warmth and good nature and you just sort of end up feeling empathy with characters that you thought were just these vapid, empty show off this is a, a photo of annabelle that i stole from the front office um as you can see she's a beautiful young girl so that's disappointing that she's done what she did it'll be on the news tonight i reckon she was what the kids would call a slut which is a terrible thing to say about someone who's just died but um Apparently there's no denying she was one. Well, my epiphany came at recess this morning and I've been on cloud nine ever since. And I've just done, I've strapped myself to the beast and I've been writing music and lyrics and um, I'm basically I've, I've come up with a concept for my new musical. And it's about the one and only Annabelle Dixon. <laughs> Annabelle's story is, is perfect for musical interpretation. I want to get to the truth of, of Annabelle, who she is, you know, how she became a drug addict. Um, cover the binge drinking, the, the, um, the sleeping around, the anorexia. Annabelle, you're a slut. So I can't, can't think of a better way to commemorate a student's life than to uh, write a musical about them. Annabelle Dixon, when girls take drugs and then they die. Summer high tide on days like these. It's a bummer high tide. There'll, there'll be a lot of media interest in in um, the story, of course. So, which means more audience, which means more money for the Gregson Performing Arts Centre. So we're all happy. She's a party girl with a bad habit, a bad. 
bad habit for drugs. She's a slut and she knows it. She can't help taking the drugs on a Saturday night. Ecstasy. She's been sent by Ecstasy. an angel to give me an idea for a musical. And if it wasn't for her, then this show wouldn't be going ahead. So I'm just over the moon. Next up is a show we spoke about in Sophie's List. And she said she wasn't a massive fan of the dynamic. I had to include it because I just, I never stop. I mean, I've stopped now. But I never stop normally. I'm always in a somewhat of a loop with him and her. I just think that final series where it centres around Laura and, and Paul's wedding is just one of the best TV weddings you'll ever see. It's awful, but it's brilliant. Um, I think Russell Tovey and uh, Sarah Salmani make a very believable central couple as uh, Becky and Steve. And it is, again, about being stuck in a rut and being sort of trapped by your own situation and Becky and Steve are the proxy to the audience where all these people sort of gather around them but they don't really like them they don't really enjoy spending time uh, with these charities even though one of them is Becky's sister Laura who is a awful person from beginning <laughs> to end um, and and their relationship Vicky uh, um, Laura and Paul's relationship is really fascinating because you don't really understand why they're together. They appear to not enjoy each other's company either. And the, the final series that sort of puts them in the focus, them getting married, is, is really difficult to watch because they go through with something that they, neither of them are that happy with. <laughs> they find out that one's been unfaithful to the other, but... They've spent so much time and talked about this wedding non-stop that they just have to go through with it and they have the awful disco and the best men's speeches and it's just... I think that final series, much like the final series of Mum, a perfect final series um, of a show. I just think it's genius. I'm sick of saying there's a lot of warmth in it and it's harder to find in him and her, but I think the, the central relationship between... Becky and Steve, you can tell there's a proper love there and that cements the show and they're, they're unlike the people in the office and getting on and some heights high they are happy with their lot, they live in this bed sit, they love each other they watch Morse on repeat they have takeaways they go to the pub occasionally but they are, they're not stuck in a rut, they are happy with their lot and all they have to put up with is the occasional visit from Paul and Laura or the, the disapproving in-laws or Dan, the next door neighbor uh -huh. who wanders around the flat tearing off bits of wallpaper or just getting in the way and outstaying his welcome. But it's not about reaching for something better or pretending to be something they're not. No. They, they're quite happy in their lot and I think it's rare to see that specifically in a British sitcom where we're always making fun of people I don't feel like him and her makes fun of the characters I think it shows Becky and Steve tolerate them but they have no real interest in yeah. them I, yeah, I remember actually we had a conversation about this because I think we were both put off by the first episode if I remember first correctly really um, and we, yeah. Yeah. yeah when it and originally aired I was as well it. We both went back to it, and I, I remember actually renting the first series off Love Film, 
and watching the DVD and then obviously subsequently watching it as it aired on on BBC Three. And I think we discussed the the final series at, at length. Mm. It is a work of genius because you know all, everyone basically can relate to going to a wedding and and sitting through speeches and and the disc. You know everyone's been to a wedding and it's such a long day and you're hanging around for for hours on end and I think they they got that right you know the the sometimes the awkwardness of the wedding adding on to that obviously you know the fact that we knew that Paul was in a relationship with an older man uh, which Laura learned halfway through the through the ceremony and halfway then there's through the actual you know yeah. reviewing of the, the doing of the vows yeah. yeah Steve's awkward best man speech uh, ladies gentlemen and Paul <laughs> Friends, family, and those just here for a free feed. I'm Steve, the best man, and I have the dubious pleasure of being engaged to Laura's sister, Rebecca. <laughs> they say a best man's speech should be short and make you laugh, which by coincidence is exactly how Laura describes a certain part of Paul's body. <laughs> no, I'm joking. As anyone who knows Paul knows, it's gigantic. <laughs> so yes, there's something we can all agree on, it's that Paul is well endowed. <laughs> In fact, Paul's member is so big that when there was a hosepipe ban, Paul got arrested for doing a wee. <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you can tell, this speech is gonna be so funny your jaws will ache from laughing. Uh, unlike poor old Laura, Tonight, <laughs> because having such a well-endowed husband, her jaw wake from something else entirely. <laughs> it's been a great day. Thank you all for coming. You've all made Laura and Paul's day as special as the school Paul got sent to when he torched his teacher's car. <laughs> so let me be the first to say congratulations to you both on your on your wedding. Um, oh. Thanks. Okay. Uh, from the ushers, who managed to turn up sober for once. <laughs> I, I said to Keith that I wanted him to come to the wedding as an usher. Uh, unfortunately, he missed home this, this morning and he turned up as a singer usher. Uh, luckily, we had a spare suit and he got changed into what he's wearing now. That never happened. It's a joke. Of course it didn't turn up as an usher. This is going to get better now because now we move on to the stag do. Unfortunately... Should we pop outside? Yep. This is completely inappropriate. Unfortunately, I, I did organise the stag do, but I was unable to attend myself because of a sudden illness. But I managed to get some information off of Paul's half-brother, Ian. What did you tell him? Nothing. I won't go into details, but here are some of Paul's stag highlights. They wrapped Paul in cling film and tied him to a lamppost and left him there all night. They spiked Paul's drinks with laxatives. After paintballing, a few of them ended up in A&E, where one of the stag party, who shall remain nameless... Keith... God got into a fight with a guy in a wheelchair. He was annoying me. 
They made some children cry. They broke into a dentist in the middle of the night. They killed a dog. And they hired a, a fat stripper. That all uh, seemed funnier on paper. Uh, um. Paul is known to his friends by many different names. He's known as Dopey, Nailer, The Baguette, Parky, Baldy, Mr. Ugly. Mr. Ugly? Yep. The Creep, The Tripod, Uncle Fester, Mr. Dick, The Forehead. What do you mean, Mr. Ugly? Uh, Alfred. Sloth from the Goonies and the Granny Guzzler. Who calls me Mr. Ugly? Now, anyone who knows Paul knows he works in Ryman's. Can we get a cheer from the Ryman's gang? It's even Becky's storyline with the, the ex-boyfriend being there and mm. him being, you know, disproving of, of Stephen Becky's relationship. There was a lot there, and certainly in that final series, but... Uh, throughout, as you say, it was it was a very sort of ramshackle family that they set up, and as you say, you know, someone like Dan, who normally you would want to get away from, they were very sort of welcoming accepting. to him in a way, yeah. accepting of him, yeah, and and his relationship with was it Shelley, the yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, um, and his relation and with her her little boy as well. I just thought it was. It was really, it was really intimate, wasn't it? I think mm. there is, there is more of a claustrophobic nature. You're all sort of cramped up on, you know, in their front bedroom slash living room, where they're on the bed in the in the on the chairs by the bed, watching Inspector Morse or something like that. One of my favourite episodes. They are having a sleepover, and they keep getting interrupted and saying how they've got they've got such a busy day tomorrow, and they've got to get to sleep and. Please, we've got such such a stressful day tomorrow, and you learn halfway through that the stress they've got is they're going to watch a whole series of twenty four in twenty four hours. <laughs> that's the re- <laughs> that's the reason they're worried about not getting to sleep on time and things. And it's just it's about the little victories in life and and the the little time that you spend together. I think and and you got the sense that as much as Paul and Laura were irritants to uh, Steve and Becky, that they didn't have anyone else either. Paul and Laura didn't have friends that they would go to other people's houses. It was always back to theirs. So they were a, a strange little family unit. I can see what Shelley means now. Laura, go to sleep. Yes, I will. I'm just saying, Bex, I can understand now some of the things Shelley was saying tonight about Steve. OK, enough, Laura. Well, what does that mean? What did Shelley say about me? She said she doesn't like you. Yeah. Good one. Thanks, Laura. As if. It's nothing personal, but from the moment she laid eyes on you, she's hated your guts. Oh, as if, Laura. She thinks I'm funny, doesn't she, Bex? Bex. I think she doesn't really get you. What does that mean? Becky? She finds you physically repulsive. Laura? And on the way home, she said you were sexually intimidating. When? In the kebab shop. She thought you were going to rape her. What? I'd never 
never rape anyone, would I, Bex? Nice, Steve. You'd never rape anyone. And if I was going to rape someone, I certainly wouldn't do it in a kebab shop. I wouldn't do it anywhere. Look, look Shelley likes me. We're having a laugh tonight. She liked my impression of an earthworm. No, she didn't. No one did. She said you had wandering eyes. I did not have wandering eyes. Not my wandering eyes. They're the wandering eyes of a sexually intimidating earthworm. Oh, look, you've completely missed the point of my impression of an earthworm. Steve, you're an adult. You have an impression of an earthworm and you did it in a kebab shop. She's bound to think you're weird. Now turn the light off and go to sleep. This is ridiculous. These are Luke's Desert Island comedies. I do really like him and her. I think all I mentioned really is that in comparison to, say, Kathy and Michael in yeah. Mum, I never really sort of warmed to Steve and Becky. I'm not really sure if we're supposed to, to be honest. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be watching it and thinking, I'd like to be friends with those two as a couple. I guess it's probably to do because of their lifestyle, like we were talking about before. There's something about the show when I'm watching it, it just makes me feel a bit sort of grubby and like, yeah. oh, there's so much mess everywhere. It stresses me out a little bit. <laughs> and I think that's probably more to do with me as a person. The writer is just a genius because in that show, so many of the characters are just awful people who you'd want to like cross the street to get away from but it's just so funny and I love as well how you think you've kind of met everyone and you think oh Laura is just the worst and then you meet Becky and Laura's dad and he is like possibly even worse out of everyone he's just like I think about him and it makes my skin crawl he's just so passive aggressive uh, yeah. the way he spoke to steve for no reason the way he was kind of hitting on shelly at the yeah, wedding uh, yeah really. but, and then that, but then there was a sort of moment of redemption wasn't yeah. there because doesn't that, um Joe Wilkinson put, hits yeah. him or something doesn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. That, that catharsis he calls him does he call him like the missing link or something and yeah. he just sort of punches it because that final series joe wilkinson doesn't have a lot to do and that's his sort of moment isn't it just to punch the dad in the face yeah, and he's a great choice as well because he hadn't done really any acting, I don't think, before that. Like, he'd just done sort of stand-up comedy. So it was interesting choice to cast him and uh, as this sort of weird neighbour who they're like, oh, great, he's here again. But similar to what you said about Laura before, he just clearly doesn't have anyone else. Like, everyone is just stopping by their flat all the time because it's sort of the only option. Get little background things. In the beginning, he has a girlfriend called Anita that he thinks the world oh, yeah. is. You sort of learn that she's sort of beating him up and, and is really sort of passive-aggressive to him and he shaves all his hair and beard off to try and impress her and it still doesn't. And when he meets Shelley, they're kind of two lost souls who have been through a lot in life and they kind of come together and, and they make a really sweet couple, actually, and it sort of goes on behind the scenes. You don't really see a lot of them and then he's a good sort of father figure for her little boy Kieran who um, has been through a lot as well it's 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 sweet but it's interesting that all of my shows appear to be feature people that you just wouldn't want to spend any time with and I don't know what <laughs> well, it is about I wasn't going to say anything but you know you've got a lot of quite sort of bleak comedies yeah what is it about comedy though so I don't understand why I'm drawn to these people that in real life I would run a million miles from and the next one is, is one that we spoke about on at length um, in Sophie's list. 
and that's Parks and Recreation, which I, I've already said I think is one of the most underrated shows, at least in this country. It didn't have a proper home, and it's the antithesis of everything else on the list, really. It's warm, it's, it's about lovely people doing a job to better their, their town, and they feel so much pride in where they're from, and there's a real optimism about it, and a real sweetness about it, and... They're just lovely people, and as you know, I apparently like really bleak, dour, horrible people, but for some reason Parks and Rec just, it, it lights me up. And we didn't really touch on how it's sort of a comedic West Wing in that it, it shows you Leslie's political career and her rising from the manager of the Parks Department and, and running for mayor, or is it mayor that she runs for? What does she run for, actually? I don't want to, it's not mayor, is it? Is it uh, city council? City council, sorry, yeah. You've never seen it. It's it's available on Amazon Prime and Sky Comedy Box set, and it is really really good. And I wish more people uh, in the UK specifically. I think it's one of those things where if it was on Netflix, I think it would be bigger in the UK. So it's a shame yeah. that it's not because uh, a lot of people in the UK have got really into Shit's Creek recently, like purely because it's on Netflix. It is a really good show. And I think it's a similar sort of target audience to Parks, really. So if Parks was on Netflix... I think it would reach a, a much bigger audience in the UK. Although I've not worked with you professionally, as a private citizen, I have personally patronized each and every one of your establishments. Mm, I've never seen you buy a salad at Sea Salad. It's because I don't hate myself, Tanya. I'm sorry. I know I should be chasing your vote, but I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. And I think I have a lot of support in the community for that. You won't be surprised, Mr. Predictable. I had to pick car share because Peter Kay and Sean Gibson have such a believable chemistry. It is a show full of warmth. I believe every word that comes out of those characters' mouths, it is just so believable that these two would be in a car together. I love spending time with them. I love singing along with them, singing along with the, with the tunes on Forever FM. It is so delicately done, and it is... A performance from Peter Kay just shows his ability. I think Phoenix Knights before this had been so broad and everything he's done before, he's been in, in character and sort of hidden away under a lot of prosthetics or, or costume. This is just him, bare bones. It's probably the closest to the real Peter Kay as you're ever going to get. And I think it's a work of genius. It is so similar in its tone and its rhythms to the royal family and to him and her to a degree. Anyway, how was your makeup party? It's next Monday I got my weeks wrong. I just went dogging instead. Come again? Eh? What? You went dogging? Yeah, well we can be neighbour. There was nothing on telly so we just went up the backfield. Dogging? Yeah. As in dogging? Yeah, dogging. Well, well you've opened my eyes. What do you mean? You went dogging? Yes! And who's this Ken fella? Next door neighbour. Oh, he's in his 80s now, but he's very active. Sounds like it. Beautiful blue eyes. I mean, that's a glaucoma. I have to link him through the woods. Bet you do. Dirty old bastard. What? What's your problem? Notes. It is a shame for him, though. He usually takes Maggie, but she's on her last legs. Who's Maggie? It's Cocker. A Cocker? It's 
spaniel. A dog? So doggins with a dog? Are you slow, John? Of course doggins with a dog. What else would doggin be? She didn't have sex outdoors with people watching. Are you up your... What? What are you... Why are you asking me that? Sick. You are sick, John. Why? Sick. You said you went dogging outdoors. What am I supposed to think? In the park with my dog. Dogging with my dog, Misty. So you go dog walking, you don't go dogging. Well, it's the same thing. They're not the same thing. Are the others the same thing? They're a million miles apart. Well, you've been living on the moon. Dog walkers are doggers. I've even got a car sticker that says doggings for life, not just for Christmas. People are always beeping. Bet they are. I'm bloody bet they are. Dogging is people outside, usually in a car having sex with other people watching. Where's the dog? What dog? Where's the dog in your dogging? I don't know. I don't think there is a dog. Well, why is it called dogging? I don't know, but I'm telling you, dogging is not walking with dogs. You're winding me up. Ask anybody. Do you know what? I bloody well will. I'm telling you. Right, pull over now. What? Just pull over here, quick. Why, what's up? Oh, come on, I was only having a laugh. Excuse me, have you got a minute? You know him. Who is he? Hello. Oh, you're beautiful, aren't you? You're with your daddy. You're beautiful. Oh, how old is she? She's just six months. Oh. Bloody handful, I can tell you. No. Um, listen, would you mind settling an argument for us? Go on. Would you describe yourself as a dogger? Oh, sorry, bud. You don't mean any offence. Don't listen to us. So why not? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Oh, God. So why do you ask? Are you both, um, doggers? Well, I am. He just thinks I'm some kind of weirdo. <laughs> Most natural thing in the world. Yeah. I've done it for years. I met the wife. Aww. See? And where do you, uh, where do you do your dogging, mate? To be honest, best place I've found, the industrial estate, after dark. Uh -huh. You need to keep your wits about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, looking for a mate to go dogging with? Me and a wife would love the company. Yeah, I don't see why not. It'd be lovely. See, told you. He doesn't understand the joys of dogging. Well, he's clearly never fucked in front of a crowd, has he, Flower? Right, yeah. drive on. Drive on, John. John, drive, drive, drive. And I just could spend hours in that car. I think the first series particularly I've watched six or seven times. The second series where they sort of felt like they had to embellish on them just being in the car and take them on wild adventures like having a, a monkey from the safari park stuck in their car. I wasn't a fan of that because I didn't feel like it felt like something the show should be doing because it's at its best when they, they are two people confined in one place, talking in a car, the inane conversations you have about what song you're going to have played at your funeral, about your work colleagues, about your favourite, now that's what I call, music album. It's, it's a callback to all the shows I love, but it feels incredibly contemporary, incredibly relevant except now nobody's allowed in each other's cars, so maybe <laughs> maybe not as relevant as it was at the time. In fact, nobody can share a car journey with anyone at the moment, really. There's a will-they-won't-they they that I wasn't really expecting or that I didn't really buy into because I, I felt like that was sort of an add-on and I thought there was nothing wrong with them just being really close friends and had a really tight relationship and and just a really strong friendship as a man and a woman. It was a shame that they had to go down the romantic path because you don't see enough just simple 
male and female relationships on television and they always seem to want to turn them into a couple and so that here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe with lgbtq plus friendly accommodations our legendary nightlife and year-round activities and events it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I was a bit disappointed by, but at the end of the day, it's a very rewatchable, very warm hearted, very sweet natured show with its heart in the right place and with a lot of sight gags that you might miss. With a lot of radio gags that you might miss, I loved it. You know, this was mainstream PTK, wasn't it? This was PTK post success and but BBC One. It was also what him PTK. quite humble. It, it, you mm. know, he was yeah. the character was quite mellow and quite realistic. It wasn't a big comedy performance, which is what no, I really no. expected. No, yeah. but I don't think it perhaps had the depth that say. Uh, Brian Potter had to it, you know, that character had, a, you know, a lot more, was more of a classic British sitcom character. This was something different. This was very dialogue based, which I know you're a yeah. big fan of. So, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this, but as you say, when they went broad, you mentioned the monkey. There was also the episode with, with Conleth Hill after the Christmas party where he's dressed as a Smurf. And, and I agree with you as well. It, it did feel very fan like a lot of shows now we've talked about this in a, a couple of podcasts ago that now shows are serving to the fan theories and them shipping certain characters and wanting to do what the fans want more so than what makes sense for those characters perhaps mm. uh, sophie any thoughts good or bad on car uh, i'm gonna drop a bombshell and tell you i've never seen it why is that? It just seems like something you've uh, at least stumbled across. To be honest, I'm I'm not a massive fan of Peter Kay. I I used to like uh, that Peter Kay thing, where it was sort of it was quite low key. It was before he got big and yeah. he was playing a different character in each episode, like a bingo call or an ice cream man. I used to really like that. I think I got a bit put off by Car Share at the beginning by this the amount of people who were telling me I had to watch it. Like, for example, I remember someone in particular going on about the monkey episode to me and being like, oh, you have to watch it. There's a monkey in the car. It's so funny. And I was yeah. like, what's yeah, funny about it? Like, what does... It. Yeah, and I was kind of like, well, what happens with the monkey? And they were like, there's a monkey in the car. Like, that itself was just, like, yeah. the funniest thing they could imagine. So I kind of got the impression it was maybe a bit broad. But I don't know. It, it seems like it kind of isn't because it is just them in no. the car, isn't it? It's, having conversations. Like, con- having conversations. Yeah. It's the I, I think on you, the road. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But it's the 
local radio adverts which for me are some of the most comic moments because you know we've all been in the car with local radio on and hearing local businesses advertised and um as well as that scene where you know uh john has let as let his nan in the house to wait for a parcel for him and again i think that's something that a lot of, you know a lot of us have done had a relative wait for a parcel and then mm. the parcel comes straight away and he's, his nan's just trapped in the house isn't she all day and it's like <laughs> she get, there's, going, there's, there's, there's something in the fridge, in the fridge and, sky's and, and sky's on <laughs> so what do i do with this that's the card, Nan. You give that to them when they come to ring the bell between now and six o'clock tonight, yeah. they'll give you a parcel. Okay? It's quiche in the fridge, sky's on. Help yourself to whatever. Give me a call if you need me. All right, love you. Listen for the bell. I will. Ta-ra. See ya. Oh. Go in, you'll get stabbed. Okay. Hello? John? There's been. Who's been? The postman has brought your parcel. Already? Yeah. When? Just after you left. You're joking. So soon? Just then. Oh, my God. It's neither famine nor feast with these lads. What do you want me to do now? Well, he's been. He's done. I don't know. I'm on my way to work now. I can't come back. Oh. Uh, I won't be home till I've finished. But uh sky's on. Ooh. There's quiche in the fridge. There's um stack of ironing. Oh I don't I'll ring you later. There's quiche in the fridge. Okay. Right. See you now. Bye. Bye. Bloody hell. Yeah, I might watch it at some point because I do really like Sean Gibson. Uh, she's actually from the exact same area as me in North Wales. Um, and I enjoyed her on Taskmaster. So I, I might give it a go at some point. I'd be interested if you if you were able to give it a go. And the monkey episode is smack bang in the middle of series two. So if mm -hmm. you don't like it, you won't reach the monkey episode. Too. He's sort of known, as you say, for these big catchphrase heavy stand up show. And that's what people know him from. But... He is capable of doing a character with a lot of pathos that feels very down to earth and feels like a man of the... John, who he plays here, feels like an everyday man and you are able to separate Peter Kay, the performer, and the... from this character that mm. he's playing, I think. And so that just, as we will end all of these, it just leaves with his mum. And I don't know anything else to say about how brilliant mum is it is just perfect and not enough people have seen it not enough people rave about it it's less of a traditional sitcom than a lot of other ones that we've spoken about and it is about those horrible people initially but there's something in there that kept me going past the first episode i remember the first episode is quite a slow burn it's the funeral of um kathy's husband and you're not really sure who all these people are, and you're not really sure of the rhythms of it. And I think having seen him and her previously is kind of a help helped me to understand what Stefan was trying to do here. But again, the re the central relationship between Peter uh, Mullen and Leslie Manville is just as Michael and Kathy is just one of the most tender relationships, and it's found so refreshing that it wasn't elderly couple, well not an elderly, but a, 
a middle-aged couple mm. finding late mid late middle age because you know they're they're late fifties yeah. early sixties aren't they? Yeah, you never see that. You never see these people who've who've been widowed, who who have been friends, family friends for so long, who've always had a bit of a, a longing for one another, and they find love again, but they're not comfortable with it because how does that sit within the current family dynamic? What will my son think? if I move on too quickly after his father's death. I'm going to say something to you, Catherine. I don't want to talk about it, OK? Why you put your shoes on? There's no rush for me, OK? You don't have to tell Jason now for my sake. I can wait. No, I, I, I need to say something. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for you from the very first words you ever said to me when you told me only a crisp for dinner because your mum was in a mood. And Dave went and got you a pint, and we waited for him together with the gents. And I knew I was in trouble. You milk me like butter. Kathy, you do. You milk me like fucking butter. You know, losing Dave and losing my mum, these should have been the worst two years of my life, but they've been the best, easily. Easily been the best two years I've ever had because I got to spend so much of them with you. I look out over my little garden every morning with a cup of tea and the trees change, the flowers change. Friends come and go. I, I change jobs. I, I lost my parents. I lost Dave. I got married. I got divorced. And my girls. My girls went too. The one thing, the one thing throughout all of it that never changed, could never change, will never change is the fact that I love you. It's what I do. I used to think I could feel the air move when you moved it. There were days when things would just smell of you. So you take your time. You speak to Jason when you're ready to, not when you've been forced to. And whether it's when we get home or whether you want to leave it for a few months, I'll just be here like I have always been here. This is about you. It's again that claustrophobic feeling of them all being trapped. You don't really feel like Kathy really has much in common with any of these characters outside of Michael, really. They sort of all congregate at her house again, similar to him and her, and she sort of puts up with them and she sort of is sort of not agreeing with a lot of their points of view and a lot of their views on the world, but is too polite, too British to say anything back to them because these are all such strong characters with strong views of the way things should be. Uh, and it's... I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but it's so sweet. And it made me cry so much, that final series. I needed a bit of a detox between each episode. I think it was all on the iPlayer. I don't know how I feel about that. They did the yeah. same thing with Carshare, and it meant that I was never really on the same page as anyone on Twitter or anyone else that had seen it because I was trying to savour it. But again, I wanted to see where it was going to go. 
it's a modern masterpiece that I don't think we're going to see the likes of anytime soon unless Stefan does something else. But how he's going to top the success of Mum and the way those characters and the way those that show makes me feel, I've no idea. I think Leslie Manville does so much with often not that many lines but the way she just sort of react reacts to things and you know jason will just say something so idiotic and she'll just be kind of like oh right love you can just see in her face that she is often the cleverest person in the room but no one else really thinks that like they all kind of underestimate her jason basically just thinks that she exists to be his mum and that she's not really her own person they all kind of just think oh she's this sort of simple middle-aged lady and she's happy just sort of pottering around the house and she kind of almost lets them think that because she just doesn't want to stir things up she'll just sort of roll her eyes at michael every now and again when someone said something ridiculous she doesn't really have much in common with her in-laws who are quite bitter people themselves but she keeps them out of duty and out of loyalty to her husband they've always been a part of her life and they always will be there is a nice dynamic between Kelly and uh, and Kathy that you don't that sort of creeps up on you when you realise she's almost idolised by Kelly. Really, as sort of this mother figure, she's been picked on a lot by her own mother and put down a lot. And Kathy is somebody who's always sort of quietly encouraging her. It's a nice dynamic that she sort of gains a daughter after losing her husband, and I always thought that was an aspect of it that rang really true. Matt, you want to save your thoughts for next time? Yeah, go on. <laughs> I think we really mentioned the uh, the grandparents at all last week, did no. they? But I just remembered, I think one of my favourite bits is, well, two of my favourite bits, actually, where he's sort of dancing around to girls just want to have fun on the radio, <laughs> which is yeah. quite sort of funny, but also touching, because isn't he kind of tucking in his yeah. wife with a blanket yeah. and then yeah. the moment in the final series where they're just sitting and sort of looking at the bad weather outside and she just has this rant of like oh we'll set off tomorrow the car will crash this is it now it's gonna rain all weekend Derek's party will be ruined the roads will be wet on the drive home. We'll crash. You'll die. And I'll be left screaming in the wreckage. Typical. And it just kills me because it's, I don't know, often people's grandparents do kind of talk in that very negative way, but just taking it to such extremes. I'll be there screaming in the wreckage. I think, again, it's quintessentially British because I don't think you could show this to an American audience or or an Australian audience, maybe, and them understand that underneath what looks like quite a scathing relationship is a lot of heart and mm-hmm. a lot of love for these people that that in another world they wouldn't be stuck together 
you know. Uh, am I sorry, Luke? Am I completely yeah. misremembering that they were going to do a US remake with, with like Diane Keaton or someone, or is that just a? Oh, I don't oh I've just googled it, and there is something yeah, short. Or thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but. This is from August 2019, talking about how there's going to be a US remake. Don't know if anything's happened since. No. I think all all TVs are... Um, Scott, Scott Rudin. Yeah, it says reportedly won the rights to the... Um, following a bidding war, so... Wow, okay. There was a bidding I just, war. I, I mean, I can't imagine it. I mean, we would have said the same about The Office years ago, and we ended up loving that, but... It's hard to imagine that they could get that balance right. Yeah, so. similar, because they tried one with Gavin and Stacey, didn't they? And again, I yeah. think that's very sort of, you know, it's a very British family thing with those sort of yeah. class dynamics are quite specific. And similarly in Mum, you know, to do with Pauline being a bit more middle class than everyone else. And that's one of the funniest jokes, really. So I'm not sure how that would translate to America. I've just read it here, and apparently Tracy Letts is working on the script as well. So it is something that is in the pipeline, as you say. When it'll pop up, who knows? But twenty twenty nine, we'll see, Mum. That's my list. Then I'm deeply, deeply predictable, and you could have told me what was on my list without me having. Well, I I actually thought you'd have a couple that weren't on there. So what's on your honourable mentions? Okay, um, well, uh, The Simpsons was on my honourable mentions, mm. Peep Show was on the honourable mentions, uh, Green Wing was on the honourable mentions, but I couldn't decide whether that was a sketch show with ongoing themes or whether that was a sitcom, so I uh, I took it off. People Like Us was on my um, honourable mentions, as was Porridge, One Foot in the Grave. Yeah, those are the two. Porridge yeah. and One Foot in the Grave were the two that I thought you'd have I on think, that. I think with something like Porridge, though, the older the show, the more problematic it becomes mm-hmm. in 2020, and there are a few sort of choice lines of dialogue. Wait till you get to my yeah. list. <laughs> yeah. Love Your thy neighbour. Elf Garnet, yeah. On the buses. I can't remember how this came up, but we watched a little YouTube video of On the Buses, and it's just baffling Like to think that like, our so parents popular. were alive watching that. And it's just, it's horrific. It's like things like Last of the Summer Wine. How did that go? Who was watching that? <laughs> like in, in the mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Bizarre. Old people. I, old people. <laughs> Do you think more people died watching that than any other? <laughs> what? <laughs> than COVID? Yeah, or Waiting for God. I mean, who, yeah. was, who was watching that? Next week. Uh, we will do Matt's list, but before mm-hmm. we do that, you have been very kind on Twitter and reached out with yours. So Matt's going to read them. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So we've got some more um, listener picks. We've got Gary War, who says, in no particular order, Blackadder, Father Ted, Black Books, Community Friends, Porridge, Ever Decreasing Circles, Dear John, which he says is John Sullivan's Sullivan. last masterpiece, yeah. uh, Love Soup and The Simpsons. That's a, that is a solid list. Um, I tell you what, what's funny about that is a lot of people have said Friends, and I've seen it continually. But yeah. I would never. Would you ever class it as your your favourite sitcom? I mean, clearly, it's not on either of our lists. But I will. Uh, reason, I'll talk it's about just it. Yeah, isn't it? I I um, think it's one where you remember those early episodes, which are really good but i think the 
the second half of the series, certainly the last three seasons where they just kept coming back for the money, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 it felt like they, they were going to end it and then did it, you know, they set up, obviously, the way they were going to end it and then halfway through, they signed on new contracts so had to change it. So it all, the, the last few seasons just felt a bit jilted and, and the comedy became much broader again, as, as comedies often do as they go on. It's just ubiquitous. It's just always on, always talked about. It feels like it's never ended, really, the amount of conversation mm-hmm. there is around Friends. But I just cannot ever just think of it as a, a, a good comedy because it's just part of this conversation all the time and it ended in 2004. Uh, we've got Matthew Not McClane. to say that person's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew McLean, who says, in no particular order, only fools and horses, Friday night dinner, the Royal Family, Early Doors, One Foot in the Grey, Father Ted, Gimme, 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 The Vicar of Dibley, Gavin and Stacey, and Not Going Out. And then uh, later on on this, just to just to add some colour, um, a, a, a gentleman called Omar Abid, who I believe is a stand-up comedian, asked oh. Matthew, do you have Gold Channel? To which he replied, I do. Mm. Um, <laughs> at Luca Morick 14 says, Cheers, Mash, Fraser, Forty Towers, Taxi Dinner Ladies, Blackadder, Friends, Porridge, Big Bang Theory. John, John (laughs) Benzelia says, in no order but random, only fools and horses, Citizen Smith, Blackadder, Bottom, Friends, One Foot in the Grave, Steptoe and Some Porridge, The Young Ones, and Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads. Uh, Jake Troop says, Porridge, Only Fools and Horses, Blackadder, Not Going Out. Oddly, Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere. And he's got Phoenix Knights on there as well. That's an offbeat choice. (laughs) Um, Open All Hours, Good Night Sweetheart, Miranda, and Inside Number number Nine. That is a weird list. Uh, I saw one particular list. I've just found it again now. Um, I don't think you've read this one out already. Because I was thinking that you can often tell what sort of age someone is from what their list is and with this one i think this person could either be like 20 or about 90 (laughs) because it's like shit's creek parks and rec mash uh 30 rock mum and i love lucy Okay, answers on the postcard, please. So it's, how old are you? <laughs> it's <laughs> very, like, one extreme to the other. Nothing so, in between, like, and the I would, 60s and the 2000s. Uh, Lauren Jones, uh, who says, Only Fools and Horses, Blackadder, Forty Towers, I'm Alan Partridge, Friends, Royal Family, Phoenix Knights, Office UK and US, Gavin and Stacey, the in-between is Friday Night Dinner Extras, and she says, I know I've cheated and picked too many. What do you two think of Friday Night Dinner? Are you fans at all? I tell you what, and it sounds hypocritical because I picked the Royal Family where the same thing happens every week, but I always find with Friday Night Dinner, it feels very similar every week, and I struggle Mm -hmm. to believe that those characters would go home the age they are now every Friday for a meal, and that's a silly thing to say, but I'm not a fan, no. Yeah, it's one of those shows, I feel, that when it started not many people were watching it and then it suddenly somehow it seems to have become massive and like everyone I know is watching it out of the blue and I tried I I actually watched all of series one um quite recently like a few months ago on Netflix and I just couldn't get into it and I watched the whole series thinking you know I'll give it a good chance but I just couldn't really see 
was so special yeah, about it. It's one of those all... shows where the cast is very good. So yeah, and Tamsin Greg are very good, and but it's too heightened for me. Everything's too. Broad. Yeah, I think Mark Heap uh, is hilarious, but yeah, like you I said, similar show, sort of really. thing. I think it's one of those things. It's almost like a cultural thing. I think if you've grown up in that community, you do still go around every Friday night for dinner, I think, to you know, there's a certain subsection of people yeah, who do a, do that. It's and a Jewish thing. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people can identify with those characters, but I don't, if you can't, I, I, I think I watched the first series when it aired, but I hadn't got any real inclination to go back for future series, and I'm not a massive fan of Simon Bird. It's also that squabbling that you don't think Mm -hmm. you'd be doing when you're older, and I suppose you could say they they regress when they go home, but it just it never feels like it progresses from episode It's a strange one, because it's written by Robert Popper, who I think is really funny, and he did lots of really weird stuff, like Look Around You. So it feels quite weird to me that he's done this very broad sort of family sitcom now that's become really popular, like Gavin and Stacey levels almost. And I found it, by the way, it's Palm by the Sea, who says Sits Creek, Parks and Rec, Mash 30 Rock, Mum, Gavin and Stacey, Friends, I Love Lucy, The Office, both versions, and a tie between Blackish and Modern Family, high um, brackets, early seasons. Okay, so... A very <laughs> modern list with two really weird additions. You're going to come back next week for Matt's list. I know you are. That's why you're all here. You didn't want to come here for mine. But also next week, I will delicately try and find out how old... <laughs> <laughs> Farm by the sea is. That is my job for the next seven days. I don't know quite how I'm going to approach it or how, how much... Hi, how old are you? Right, I'm just doing a census. <laughs> how old are you? But I'll try and do it for next week for us so that we can put that to bed. I, because... I mean, I could try and fight if they've got anything on there. We're going to stalk this person. <laughs> yeah. Their Twitter bio is patron of the arts. Nature is my church, probably in the ocean or a theatre, but not right now. Okay, that That, gives us very little to work with. with. (laughs) Gives New England, USA. Okay. okay. But they are the the last tweet was um, about Will Sharp winning a BAFTA for Gary Hadji. It was the best news they had all day. Oh, they've got good taste then, based on that. We're probably going to have to delete all this now. We're going someone's profile. Get on their Facebook as well. At the end. Sophie, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to stalk your profile? It's at it's Sophie Davis, spelt I-E-S. Yeah. I also like it's Sophie Davis, not that's Sophie Davis or I'm Sophie Davis. Had someone already taken Sophie Davis, is that why you had Yes, it's a very common name. And Initially, I was like Sophie Davis and a few numbers when I didn't really use Twitter. And then I realised that if you use Twitter a lot and you've got numbers in your name, people don't want to know. Matt's at Matt's TV Bytes. Where are you, No numbers in that. No numbers. A lot of letters, though. Um, Yeah. A lot of T's, as we used to joke. I'm at Luke Custard TV, and the podcast has its own Twitter, um, uh, Custard TV Pod, and the site uh, is thecustardtv.com. We will be back for the third and final time to delve into Matt's comedy mind, Mm. and I will speak less. 
Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping. I think my list next week, I think there's a few choices that I don't know if either of you have seen, so it might be oh, quite God. a short one. <laughs> look, at, look at him saying we're not cool enough to see the show. Well, yeah. well I was just, you know, you're just disparaged on the buses, you know, I know that's not... <laughs> <laughs> comedy is subjective, but these are our favourites. Desert Island Comedies, from the team at thecustardtv.com. Follow at the Custard TV pod for more podcast content. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.